0: Welcome to the Philip Wiley Show. Take a look behind the curtain of professional hacking and hear compelling discussions with guests from diverse backgrounds who share a common curiosity and passion for challenges and their job. And now, here's your host, offensive security professional, educator, mentor, and author, Philip Wiley.
1: Okay, looks like we're live. So. Uh excited day to have uh InfoSec Pat joining. So for those you don't know of InfoSec Pat, uh he's a content creator. And one of the things I've done with the new podcast is in- make have an emphasis on brand building and having people on to talk about content creation because that's kind of an area that's a, a, a good one to take advantage of for, you know, uh Getting jobs and in infosec, building a brand—it used to not be that important, but it's became hugely uh, important. And you know, there's a lot of people that have built their careers out of uh, content creation. So, so it's it's great to have you join me today, Pat.
0: Thank you. No, Phil, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, I love all the stuff you're doing. Your content—that's great job you're doing with that. So. Think it's an inspiration for others that are one, that are interested in getting into content creation or um, you know infosec so if you wouldn't mind start off just kind of uh sharing introduce yourself and sharing your background
0: yeah most definitely first of all thank you so much phil i really appreciate you having me on tonight and a little bit about my myself and my background if you guys don't know my name is pat uh also known as infosec pat in the community but I started making content pretty much on accident uh, about four years ago now, three and a half years ago, like I was studying for the PCNSE, which is from Palo Alto to certification with me and a couple of buddies. And I was configuring like a static route and the site site VPN between two panorama, fi- of, you know, Palo Alto firewalls. And I was putting it up on, up onto like Google drive and sharing out with, you know, my buddies that we were studying for the PCNSE. And then one of my friends was like, dude, like, why don't you just like post this on YouTube? And I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing on YouTube. You know what I mean? I barely, and this is the God honest truth, like before I actually made a channel, I never even watched videos on YouTube, right? Like I was never like a YouTube person. Um, yes, I, I let that out. So <laughs> I started subscribing to channels about four years ago. But um, so then I started making videos and... Yeah, and then, then you know it snowballed. You know, like I was doing a lot more hacking videos in the beginning, but obviously, with the quote unquote with the guidelines and everything of YouTube, you know, you have to be careful. And even if you, you know, I still don't know till today. Like, there's so many channels that have pen testing or ethical hacking content up there, and I'm like very, very diligent, right? Hey, we're going to be talking about, for example, my latest video on Wi-Fi. You know, this is a automated pen testing Wi-Fi tool like obviously it's not set up now, but I had like a lab set up in the back of me. This is the network where we're compromising, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I got it taken down in a matter of like 10 minutes, obviously because of AI. So there's pros and cons about making content, right? Because, you know, it can be a lot of work just to set up that little lab, getting my alpha driver installed, getting everything working to even snip the packets, it took me about an hour, right? Updating all my repositories in my, my Cali box. And then, you know, I filmed for 20, 30 minutes and uh, I don't really edit too much because I'm not really good with editing. So I just put it, you know, put it together and upload it. I went to go get a hero or get a sub, came back home and my, my video was whacked. So it's like all that hard work is like, oh, shoot, you know, but the good thing about it, the flip side of that, like once you start showcasing some of your work, right? people are watching watching you you know no matter what like if it's hey how to set up a home lab you know we can dig you know dig deep into that you know hack the box virtual box excuse me um a try hack me uh vulnhub machines whatever you want to learn on i think that's um really critical and you know i am you know an offensive security professional or whatever i don't even know what i am i just do cybersecurity <laughs> And you know I do some blue teaming, purple teaming, red teaming. I do a lot of stuff, but yeah, that's pretty much a little bit of a nutshell, you know, for me.
1: Very cool. So, you know, one of the things too is as for as people trying to get into the industry. There's a lot of a lot of listeners and viewers that are trying to get into cybersecurity. So, what what are your recommendations for someone that wanted to get started
0: in offensive of security? Oh, that's a good question. So I would say I like to everyone has their own journey, right? That's that's obvious, right? Maybe Phil knew a buddy that, you know, he went to go hack it, you know, something intrigued him. So I can give my story of what happened with me and how I would recommend folks today, because we have a today there's there's no excuse not to learn, right? When I got into it, there was no hack the box, there was no try hack me. You have to do your own do your own stuff, but I'll keep it at that. So, like when I was doing, uh, I was a network engineer, system engineer, cloud engineer, like working with VMware and all that good stuff. And on the side, on, as a side hustle, I used to sell sneakers. I'm a big head. So, in So, on my PayPal, it got hacked. You know, the Nigerian prince sent me an email, got phished. Yep. And, and I was one of them. And I clicked on a link and and boom i i they harvest my credentials and they went into my paypal it was like eight or nine hundred dollars it wasn't like a whole bunch of money but you know 12 years ago it was a lot of money for me you know yeah so so i was studying uh like multimedia in undergrad because i i skateboarded and i liked to film and you know all that stuff but I transitioned into cyber, you know, I went to my counselor, I was like, hey, like, I don't know if this is a, is a, is a field, but I want to, you know, I want to understand how this happened, right? How did this, these credentials get harvested?" And yeah, and that's when I transitioned to cyber and it was a lot of more theory back then and testing stuff out, like in your own environment and setting up like virtual PC. I don't, you know, this is before I remember, virtual box. VMware. I remember this is, Yeah. yeah. Were you were you using it
1: before Microsoft acquired it?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then Microsoft acquired vir, uh, Virtual PC. Yeah. And then. Yep. Yeah, it's where all
1: their it's hypervisor, whatever their virtualization, because they used to have Virtual PC and Virtual Server.
0: I remember that back years ago. Exactly. And then they went yeah. into Hyper V. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, yeah, and then I just you know started my cybersecurity journey, and then you know long and behold and you know um, hack the box comes out so when i was doing studying for like oscp and uh you know that's when hack the box you had to like go find a J, you know, js thing and you had to get the code but meanwhile you can just go to slash register and you can bypass all of that back then there was a little hack for that you know i can reveal it now because you know now you can just go sign up for free but um yeah and then once i got in you know starting doing you know the hack the box platform, and it just started from there. So in 2023, fast forward, right. I would obviously, there's so many free resources, you know, on the internet, on YouTube, uh, there's so many content creators like yourself, John Hammett, Heath Adams, there's so many other, you know, exploit, Zed Security, so many other content creators that you can learn for free on YouTube. And then if you want to get into like, you know, some training, like, like paid training certifications, you can go for a PMPT, EJPT. And what is the junior one? EJ or I think P- it's, yeah. PJPT. PJPT. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a track you can do. And I think the difference between those two is the PJPT is more internal. So you're inside the network already, and then you have to compromise AD and then the PMPT is from the external. Then you pivot yourself, you know, you know, get into the firewall But I don't know. I never took those exams, but that's just from the theory of what they explained. And, you know, if you're not on a budget, obviously OSCP and, you know, EJPT, or I've there's so many acronyms I forget. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, so that's, you know, try hack me is a good one, but I'm a big believer. And this is what something that resonates and clicks better with me is when I set up my own lab. Right, mm-hmm. set up my own AD, because then I understand how the network is traversing. How is the network set up behind the scenes? And I think there's that, that connection of the dots. And what do I mean by that? Like when I studied for CCMP and, you know, the Cisco tracks, you know, if you're just studying for like configuring routers, but if you didn't have a rack and key the click and, you know, you know, use you, your, uh, T, uh, T Y, oh my God. The, the lines, the whatever the, the lines are that you, you telnet into, SSH into, and um, TTY lines. I think there's TTY lines. And I feel like when you're just studying and you're just getting like uh, like uh, GNS3 or even G back then, you know, I just always felt like it was a disconnect when, you know, when, you know, there's the virtual environment versus the actual, you know, physical environment. So, yeah. That's pretty much, you know, what I would suggest these days.
1: It's uh, interesting too. One of the things I wanted to get your take on too is how important do you think certifications are to land a job in cybersecurity?
0: That's a good one. Uh, I think, I think it's a, it's definitely a gatekeeper. It's definitely going to get your, you know, your, it all depends on, I think this is at least from my opinion. You can correct me if I'm wrong. You've probably been doing this a lot longer than I have. I believe in this industry. Sometimes it's who you know, not what you know. And just like networking, going to conferences, going to little local meetups, joining Discord servers, and you know, and just networking with folks. Because you may not be the best offensive security person. You might not be the best defensive security. But if you have a good attitude, technology can be learned. You know, Someone can teach you that. But if you don't have that attitude, you're fucked. You know what I mean, like, like you're screwed. So that's what I think is super, super critical. Have a positive attitude and just be positive, right? And so certifications, obviously, it's a good, you know, it, it's a good place holder on your resume that's saying, okay, I can accomplish. I I have the skill set of starting something and finishing something. But like I always say, like when I was in grad school, I did the CEH, CHFI, LPT, and ECSA from EC Council. When I did my CEH, I didn't know shit. Mm-hmm. It just it just meant I can, you know, like study and pass a hundred twenty five, hundred fifty question exam. You know, now they have the CEH Master. That's you know because everyone's going that hands on route. Yeah. But back when I did it, it was like eleven years ago now, and I I still didn't know anything when I got my CEH. When I get my CHFI, that was a little different because that's more forensics and getting into the tools, and the LPT that that was obviously a little, little more hairier, but yeah. So I think the certifications are definitely worth it. Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. I kind of agree with
1: you too, as far as getting, getting your foot in the door, they're important, but also too, like you said, the networking thing, that's the thing has been huge. And, and definitely want to make sure to think, to talk about it since I'm thinking about it, it's just like the past several years. And when I look at all my cybersecurity career, there are only a few jobs that I got. One or two, Two maybe three at the most that I've gotten, that were just from applying for jobs. That it wasn't because I knew someone. And you see people uh, out there like Michael Padrick. Uh, I I'm trying to think of his uh, trying to think of his his handle, but he was going through a lot of the e, the I and E stuff, the eLearn security content, and got that, and end up getting CVEs. But really, what helped him a lot was the networking and. And you know, even if you, you get all the certs, have all the qualifications, sometimes it's hard to kind of b- bypass that HR
0: firewall. Exactly, exactly. And that's why, you know, every position, probably like the last four, three, three positions, it's just through someone I know, right? And I didn't really have to, yeah, you have to apply just because you need it in, you know, in the cabinet of HR just because you information, but I didn't have to go through the, you know, the hoops, and go through 16,000 things to like get a job, you know? So, but obviously for the noobs that, you know, totally new to the industry, you know, number one is networking, you know? And when you send a request to myself or Phil or any other person that maybe you saw on the internet and you're like, Oh, well, let's connect with on LinkedIn or Twitter, et cetera, not so much Twitter, but like, cause Twitter is just a follow. Like if you're going to connect with me on LinkedIn, and you're asking a question, come out with a purpose. No, I'm like, Hey, I need help with this. I want to go tell you to kick rocks, your shoes off. You know what I mean? <laughs> like be more presentable, you know what I mean? Like approachable as well. Like be there with a purpose, not just trying to get a hand out, you know?
1: Yeah. That's, that's good advice. Cause a lot of times you get those messages from people and I know you're, you're, you're probably the same way you want to help people. But when someone, the first message they send you is just, Hi. And it's just like word at a time and not coming in. The ones I love is someone that, you know, I'm so-and-so. I've got my security plus. I want to be a pen tester. I've done, I'm doing try hack me and this and this and this. What should I do? And come in with some context, you know what their background is and you can kind of nudge them because you've got an idea of what their background is, what they want to do, what they've already accomplished. And it's easier to help someone out than someone that gives you minimal information because a lot of times uh people that that they're reaching out to are super busy and they don't have time to drag it out of them you know they they're going through a bunch of dms and and trying to answer questions and don't have time for that stuff
0: exactly exactly because i get a lot of dms uh, on on linkedin on even on instagram you know what i mean because i'm pretty active on instagram and it's like you get these people that you know if, if they watch my video and it's like oh i need help with xyz Like I tell them, I'm very honest. Like when I do a video from a year ago, I don't remember what I did.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know what I mean? That's the God honest truth. So if anyone on this stream has watched my videos and asked me how I did that a year and a half ago, I'm going to have to watch the video again myself and relearn it because that's one thing. Transparency, I'll be honest. Like If I'm learning or if I'm doing a box, unless I'm going live with the box, which I get like extreme anxiety... But well, like, I'll go through that box maybe once, maybe even twice. So I'm not on a damn video for like an hour and a half. While I'm banging my head, right? So don't think I'm some genius that I'm going through these boxes like, you know, like hotcakes. It's not true. Like, I I do the box once or twice, and if it's a try, you know, I just don't submit the flags. You know what I mean? Like, because then it, it loses the you know. Because when I wa- when I do the video, I want to showcase that okay, like we submitted the flags together, but um. Yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, from, you know, full transparency. That's that's what I do, and uh, yeah, I don't know why I got on that topic, but yeah,
1: I think that's an important fact to share because when someone sees someone, and that's one of the things that I hear feedback on. Like when Ipsec does walkthroughs, sometimes he goops goofs up, and then he figures it out. And I've seen some others that do that. I think it's important that that information is shared because if you see these perfect polished videos that someone just walks through it without a hitch. People will think, "Wow, how do I get that good?" And they'll realize that, in fact, everyone's going through. Either you may type something wrong, or you do some some certain command or use a certain tool that may not work. You have to use something else, and so I think that's important that people see that and realize this is not like this is not like Instagram. Everything's perfect when there's you know things screw up, and and when you do mess up, that's learning opportunities. You know, you can learn from mistakes. You do something wrong. If everything goes perfect at the beginning, once you run into something more difficult, it's going to be hard. So when you do mess up, it's kind of kind of a good
0: learning experience. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's so true. Cause like I said, like I I uh you know doing it in the real world as a pen tester or as a you know ethical hacker, when you do these CTFs, it's a totally different mindset. And I don't think people realize that. That's why I've mentioned many times in my like, you know podcasts or getting together with folks, like I never liked CTFs, right? I I never, because it's like, yeah, the objective is to find the flag, but it's like, how often are you going to go get a base 64, go to CyberChef, decrypt this, go to this? Yeah, I mean, like 99% of the pen test, you just call a person, get their credentials and get in their network. That's that's (laughs) besides the point. But sometimes it's, you know, doing a real pen test is a lot easier than a CTF, at least in my opinion. What is your take on that? Yeah, I think it's.
1: I think a pen test is more straightforward, less difficult. I mean, some of the things I see some advantages with the CTF. If someone's just learning, you know, you're going to college or something, or trying to learn some of the stuff that you would learn with some of the the decoding and that type of stuff could be helpful. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're you're not going to typically do those things on a, on a pen test. I agree.
0: Yeah. No, I, I just like to throw that out there because. People like, oh, I want to be, like you said, I want to become a pen test. I did try hack me and I'm, I'm a hacker, you know, elite hacker, but they don't know how to write a report. They don't know how to put together, you know, screenshots. And and that's why even, you know, lately I've been slacking when I do the CTS, but normally I guess more when I'm studying for a cert, I'm doing a CTF. I like to take screenshots, put into cherry tree, like, like document my process because, you know, that's the way you actually do it when you're doing a pen test, right? And, you know, you have your, whatever, your, your, um, your template and you just do your copy and paste for whatever client. And you just, you know, you make sure you document your process. So, so you can, when you debrief to the client, you can show them, you know, your successes and non-successes, where they are good, where their defenses and where they're rubbish.
1: Yeah. I think that's good information too. You're talking about the report writing and stuff. People can can write report, do write-ups on some different CTFs and stuff they've done to kind of showcase to, to show employers. Because, you know, we're living in a time when used to it was only like artists and graphics designers that uh, needed a portfolio. But now it's kind of becoming important, especially for people just starting out to have some kind of portfolio, some, uh, you know, some blog posts they've written, some content in GitHub, maybe some walkthrough videos and and
0: so on. Exactly, and that's why, like if you're starting out too, like take me as an example, like if you look at my YouTube videos, I'm no expert at youtube, right I just I know what I'm trying to showcase, but I don't do any fancy, I'm no network chuck doing fancy designs, and you know I'm just press record, showcase a thing, press record again, it stops recording, and then upload um so. You know, say for example, you you know you are in the job market, right? You're you're a year in or whatever, and you, you know, just do a little screen recording. You don't have to showcase your face. You know what I mean? Use yeah. OBS and and just showcase and put that in a little Google Drive. And when you apply, just share that Google Google Drive link with your employee and say, okay, this is what I've done. This is how your thought your methodology and your thought your thought process, right? And they can they'll appreciate that, you know. And I've done it right i just showcased that and this was years ago but then obviously i made my youtube channel now i you know they can just see that you know th- you know i i think i know what i'm doing a little bit but you know like i think showcasing your work is definitely critical these days like you say github and all that jazzy jazz
1: yeah the cool thing about it is too when you kind of look at it when you're 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 competing with someone else and you're on a level playing field if you can provide that type of information that's a little bit extra so they can rule you know they could pick you over the other person because they've got a better idea of what your skill sets like otherwise they're just seeing resumes you know seeing your certifications any kind of education stuff work history and that's all they see but when you're providing that extra information like some videos github information maybe even some write-ups and stuff you're giving them a little bit of extra you know because it's a big filtering exercise starting out they're just going through automatically, for instance, if it requires someone to be located in a certain country to do that job, you know, automatically you can eliminate those, those uh, resumes. If they require a certain certification or uh, degree level, you know, automatically the people don't have that, that you're able to to filter that out. So it's just kind of a good way to, to display your, your skills. And one of the things too, I've I've seen is people present at our local DEF CON group, our Dallas DEF group, there was someone that's presenting there. It was a recent college grad. They did a uh, presentation on malware analysis and they demonstrated how they did all this stuff. And a hiring manager for City uh, Citibank was in, or Citigroup was in the audience,
0: saw it, asked for their resume, and they got a job. Sweet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, like I said in the beginning of the chat, right, in the beginning of the stream, like you never know who's watching, mm-hmm. right? And that's why, like, there's always eyes on you, right? Like, no matter what you think, like, look, I'll, you know, I'll say something like tomorrow, I am going to be going live with someone that I, I've been watching since the very, very beginning. His name is Keith Barker, right? Like I, this guy was like my mentor and he didn't even know he was my mentor, right? Like I just watched his videos on CBT Nuggets. And this is, you know, when I went to my CCMP, CCMP security, CCDP and the CCDP was him and Jeremy Chara, but And they're from CBD Snuggles. I don't know if Jeremy's working there anymore. But, yeah, so it's like – and years later, fast forward, and I think it was like 2019, and I guess he was watching some of my videos that I was putting out, and he just reached out and said, hey, like, would you like to be on my channel, right? And I was like, whoa. That's like Michael – you know, if you're a big basketball fan, like Michael Jordan reached out to you. You know what I mean? Like if you're a Jordan fan. Like he was like my like, whoa, you know? So I was like, whoa, this is – you know, and now I can call the dude my friend. You know what I mean? So you never know who's watching. You never know who's gonna come across your life. So never be like one thing about me. Like I'm super approachable. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. That's where. I, that's how I grew yeah. up. You know what I mean? So if someone has a million subscribers on their YouTube and I have forty thousand, you know, I don't. I don't. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't care how big or you know the ego. Like if you're you know if your ego's up to wazoo. And I'm not going to get along with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so that's, you know, super, super, you know, stay humble and just never know, you, you know, you never know who's watching and just keep an open mind. You know what I mean? Because you, your mentor might be watching you and that person might be reaching out to you. You don't even know. Yeah. so a good point. So what are some other, like, you know, we're talking about,
1: mentioned some things about content creation. So what about brand building? What are some things people can do outside of the videos or some other things? Because you know, you can create the videos, you can create the content, but is there any advice you have for someone building their, their personal brand?
0: I wanna tell you, I'm still trying to learn that, right? In the, like the Infosec path, right? So I started obviously with my YouTube channel and then I made a few little things like these little stickers, like I bring them at conferences, I made these little stickers. Um, and that's, you know, and then I made some shirts and then like, this was something I, I started get, get jacked or get hacked. Right. Obviously I, I work out, I like fitness. So it's like, but it was not about going to get jacked at the gym and, or you're going to get hacked on your computer. Right. So this, this brand or this slogan or whatever you want to call it, it was more about getting off your chair, off your computer and just walk around the block, go to the park. Do some pull-ups, whatever. If you want to go to the gym, it was more that if you don't get jacked or if you don't, you know, feed your body nutrients, you don't feel, you know, your mental health, your body's going to get compromised, right? It's going to get hacked, you know, cancer, diabetes, goth, this, a- any of those sicknesses, right? So with that brand or this little slogan, like literally, like I just thought about it, put this little, you know, put a t-shirt on, you know, made a few t-shirts and I started giving them out at the conferences. Like I went to B-side Orlando about two, three weeks ago and I made about what, 10 shirts and I gave it to a couple of friends here and then I just gave them out and and it took off. Like literally like I made this little video um, the other day or last week or whatever. Like hey, cause I got a lot of inquiries on it. Like where can I get the shirt? Obviously it's not in the store, you know what I mean? It's like, I have to go order it for you. So I was like, oh, and now it's getting to the point like it, it was a lot of manual stuff, right? I had to put the address in and I have to do it manually now it's getting too hard, you know, and like now I have to find something like to do drop shipping,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Because
0: I'm not going to be able to handle the load anymore. It's like 48 people asked me yesterday for one, you know what I mean? It's like, ah, I don't have time to sit here and put 48, 48 addresses in and, and to collect 48 yeah. payments of Zelle, you know? So what I'm doing is just that, like just networking and just have a little something, you know, even if you're broke as a joke, like I'm not no millionaire, but like, I I guess like I would dedicate whatever, a couple hundred dollars and like make some I got some mugs, I got some merch, like so it's just like little giving back to the community. And once your like little thing is known, and if they're you know, if you're a follower or or su- subscriber or supporter, you'll be surprised of like what they want to, you know, be a part of your community, right? If it's a little mm-hmm. mug that like CBT nuggets, like one like TCM security, I have a little shot glass there, like, you know, just showcases, you know, they're, they're, you know, like I'm supporting them, right? And they're just, you know, grateful to have us as supporters and they're just gonna give a little, you know, give back to the community as well. So that's what my recommendation is. I'm no, you know, brand ambassador. I don't know if yeah. I can, I don't know too much about it, but that's what I did, you know. But you know something,
1: you're learning something from it because it's just those little things that people remember you, remember you by. And that's one of the things that I share my share my former pro wrestling background and bear wrestling, uh, experience, because people remember that they won't forget you. I ran into one of my friends from Dallas hackers association. When we were first, you know, first met each other, uh, my daughter and I was at the movie theater and we were coming out and this guy comes up and introduce my wife says, Hey, that's Phil. He wrestles bears. And so just anything like that for people to remember, you know, these catchy handles and different things like the cyber mentor, that's easy to remember when I was teaching at Dallas college, Uh, I came up with, I got the domain name, the hacker maker. And where that came from was, it used to be the old Dunkin' Donuts commercial. And the baker was going to the store to make the donuts each day. And he'd tell his wife when he's leaving, I'm going to make the donuts. So I tell my wife when I was going off to teach pen testing, I'd say, I got to go make the hackers. So I came up with the domain name, the hacker maker, and it just kind of stuck. So it was an easy way for people to find my domain name, the college that I was teaching at. The registration system was the same one I used in 2001. You can't search on it. You have to have the numbers and the section information to put in there. And I want to make it easy for people to find my class. So I put it on a website to make it easier for them. And I knew the hacker maker would be easier to remember than philipwiley.com. Yeah. And so just those little things you do sometimes you don't realize that are catchy, you know, the, the stickers, the different logos and stuff, the different graphics. And uh, mm-hmm. sp- speaking of lifting thing, you know, people are going to remember you cause they know you're, you know, you lift and stuff. And that's, it's exactly. speaking of that we got August joining us today. This dude is a, a, a strong son of a gun. I met him at DEF CON last year. He's a power lifter and a, and a big guy. So he, that dude can throw around some iron. So
0: uh, yeah. And yeah. And speaking of that, that's funny. Cause when we were at DEF CON, I had like, you know, when we we're in line to get our badges and, you know, like I, you, you, when we're talking, you know, we're just sitting down. I'm like 6'2". I'm mm-hmm. pretty pretty tall, right? And uh, yeah, like when just one guy was like, hey, can we arm wrestle? And I'm like, arm wrestle? <laughs> what do you mean arm wrestle, dude? Like, and I never really arm wrestled. Like, I know I'm pretty strong, but I'm like, so I realized, you know, and that's another thing that I'm probably going to throw into like get hacked to get jacked. Maybe like, because I've been arm wrestling now. Mm-hmm. Um, for like three months, and I never, you know, experienced how strong I really am. You know, because lifting, like I beat people that deadlift five hundred pounds, bench four hundred pounds, and they couldn't move my arm. Yeah, right. So it's like you'll be surprised on, on, you know, going outside your comfort zone and just like, you know, like whatever, like this, like arm wrestling. Like I didn't realize how how strong I was. And now, like, this is a little movement that I'm trying to do local, like, okay, like, let's get these more on the get jacked or get hacked, getting someone out of their seat. You don't have to be no, you know, you know, like, super, super good arm wrestler, but just to get out and just go to the gym or just, like, you know, do techniques to arm wrestle and just, I don't know. So I think, like, if I go to DEF CON or anyone ever sees me at any conference, uh, like, August, like, let's arm wrestle, let's see uh, how how good I am. (laughs) I am 31 and 0. I haven't been beaten. So, um, and I'm not that big, but my, my arms are pretty, uh, pretty solid. Yeah. I used to get challenged a lot back in my,
1: my bouncer days when I was a pro wrestler, my, my main job was, uh, was a bouncer. And so I'd have people always come in a nightclub wanting to, wanting to arm wrestle, arm wrestle
0: me. So (laughs) that's awesome. Stuff can be painful
1: too, man. That, be, oh yeah. yeah. It takes
0: a lot of, like on your, on your, sh- like on your elbow yeah, and and your bicep, you know what I mean? Like you don't really oh, realize, yeah. and your forearms, like, so it's pretty much all your forearm, like, and your wrist, like, mm-hmm. and I have skinny wrists. Like I don't have, but it's all like an, on the technique. Like that's yeah. literally all it is. It's not about. It
1: yeah. That's a serious left. technique. Cause I've seen some guys that, you know, lifting wise, they weren't that strong, but they just really had the technique down. You know, being yep. really fast with it and and knowing how to really leverage using your body weight into it. Exactly,
0: exactly, and and that's all it is. Like you literally have ten to twenty seconds, you know, to really do it because you're gonna gas out, right? Yeah. So it's all about like literally the first couple of seconds, just smash them because if you don't get smashed, even if it stays like you know center, yeah. someone's gonna give in, right? You can you only hold your your, your stuff so so long so yeah it's a, yeah it's a pretty it's pretty fun to uh to do so now that's what um that's my little new hobby let's calm oh. russell <laughs> very cool so
1: uh let's see what we're gonna see. so why don't we a- a- answer some questions here we're kind of i usually keep the podcast to around 30 minutes or so but let's get some questions from some of the folks in the audience here so Someone's asking, why are there so many companies asking for bachelor's degrees now? Actually, you cannot continue a job application if the college is not listed.
0: That's interesting. Um, Where are you located, if you mind me asking? Because I never seen that. Like, I never seen, unless you're applying for, like, I would say uh, Deloitte, KPMG, uh, PCW they're, they're probably the only companies that will verify and call the school and make sure you have that bachelor's degree. Any other company that, you know, cause you know, like, cause I know those companies, I know people that work there and stuff like that. But as far as like a, you know, small, medium sized company, I don't want to say mom and pop, like a private owner, you're never going to be asked. To, yeah. you know, I've never been asked to see my master's degree, you know, or like a degree, you know, that's
1: it could be something new because I remember several years ago, because it was so hard to find security people that some of the big four quit requiring a four year degree because, you know, those people out there with talent didn't necessarily have the bachelor's degree, but they needed people right away. So I'd say it depends on the company. I don't think everyone is looking for that because honestly, I can show you some people out there that are, I, you would in a lot of cases find better talent with people with some certifications than you would uh, just the degrees itself. So he said that he's in, he's in Dallas, Dallas Texas. Okay. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see, cause I'm actually in, in Dallas too. So it'd be interesting to see, but that's, that could be like on a case by case basis, but that's interesting that they don't let you progress with
0: the application without putting a college in there. It's interesting. Yeah. And that's what, it, you, you know, uh when we were talking about prior you know like it's not what you know it's who you know so maybe start networking maybe try to you know bypass that firewall right yeah sneaky yeah
1: because you can get that resume of the hiring manager you know that
0: you know exactly you're
1: not filling out that online form so someone else had a question said what would you recommend to people someone has a friend only on linkedin to get into it. So if there's someone to get into it, that's only on LinkedIn. I know the majority of my network people do not respond when I am looking for a job. What is the best strategy to get a job in it?
0: Hmm. So that's a good question. Uh, I guess it's like, are, are you new to the field? Are you new on LinkedIn? Right. Cause you always have to start somewhere. Like literally, like I said, like when I started, Using LinkedIn properly, it was like three years ago. And now I'm like at like almost twenty-one thousand followers. So you know, I I think it all depends on how long you've been in, you know, looking for a job. So would you recommend the whole people Who People Has sex? Okay. And you're tied to get into IT, the majority of them in my network people then respond. So yeah, so I was gonna make a joke. Get those people out of your network. But um <laughs> Yeah, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but the best strategy I would, I would say to get into, you know, any IT job, right? This all boils down to like showcase. Like if you're getting into IT, not cyber, build a home lab, you know, VirtualBox, VMware Workstation, you know, player if you don't have money. You know what I mean? If you broke as a joke like me, use player. And uh, and just download eval, like Windows Server 2022, Windows 11, Windows 10, join to a domain. And I have videos in my channel that showcases all Windows Server 2019, 2023, uh, 2022, and like Cisco training and networking. And and then go ahead and look at like uh, uh, KevTech IT, Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff he has like entry level help desk and, you know, service desk type stuff, like low level sysadmin stuff. And he has maybe he'll be a better resource for that and, you know, connect with him on you know on linkedin and you know maybe hit him up and see if if he can guide you so hopefully that's uh hopefully that's good
1: yeah only, only thing I, I would add to that is you know linkedin is not the only place to network because it is definitely a good place you definitely want to optimize that but one of the areas you'll get even more uh success out of is is networking in person so go mm-hmm. to some different user groups like here in dallas we're fortunate enough on the uh security side of things, we've got an ISSA group, we've got an OWASP chapter, we've got a couple DEF CON groups in the area, uh, several other opportunities like a ISC squared organization. So finding these different user groups and a meetups a good place to look for those. So meet people in person, go to conferences, these meetups, and that's going to help you there. Because one of the things you'll you'll see, it's easier to help someone if you know them in person, you've talked to them. So if you're hiring manager you talk to someone you get a good idea for uh, their communication skills their soft skills and it's getting to know them because when i was teaching at dallas college i used to find a bunch of people looking for entry-level pen testers but because i was heavily involved in the community i was constantly meeting people that were like recent college graduates i knew they wanted to be pen testers so when people asked me for uh, some pen testers that would be general junior level or entry level I would throw in the some of these other resumes from people too that I know in the from the community because I knew their skill set. I knew what they did because they're presenting at the group. They're talking to people and you get a good idea of what their their knowledge is. Sometimes people aren't really populating their LinkedIn well enough and then there's so much you can do, especially if you're you're new and just starting out, but I would leverage the the in-person opportunities.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. That's definitely that's definitely good. So Ryan Maybe creating their own boxes might be a good practice for understanding the internals vulnerabilities. For example, someone wants to learn SQL injection, so they'll build their own boxes to help them understand different ways application is vulnerable to- Yeah, you can just use juice shop. <laughs> Why would you? I don't know. That's just my opinion on that yeah. one, right? Like, I'm not going to go out and build my own thing and knock myself over the head when there's, you know, so many vulnerable machines out there already. Um, but yeah, you, fa- you, you phrased that pretty well. There's uh, Juice Shop. You know, if you want to learn more about web apps, like you said, like OWASP. And uh, yeah, Juice Shop is pretty good. And there's yeah. probably other SQL injection boxes on Hack the Box and et cetera. But I'd stay away from that because I'm not an application guy.
1: Yeah, there's some stuff that's even easier, like damn vulnerable web app that takes mm-hmm. you through some very basics and buggy web app. They're a little more, a little less complex and there's some more easier levels to it. So some of those are good op- options there. Uh, Portswigger Web Application Security Academy, they've got like whole sections on on SQL injection. So not only do you have labs online to test your skills and practice the different techniques, you also got some content around that type of attack.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Yeah. Well,
1: so we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to share or mention before we close out this episode?
0: No, I really, you know, from everyone that was joining in from LinkedIn, YouTube, I think Twitch. I saw a few, you know, the hacker. Oh, that was uh, the okay. Hacker Maker. Dang, I'm late. Um, sure, you know, like Matt. I think uh, Phil probably told us on his YouTube channel. So uh, yes, you know, feel free to holler at you know, watch that after. But no, I just want to say thank you so much. It was an awesome, you know, conversation. If anyone wants to connect with me, I'm pretty much InfoSecPad at anywhere. Like, uh, you know, if you have any questions for me, you can connect with me. I'm Patrick Gorman, obviously on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, just feel free to holler at me and I can answer whatever I can. And uh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for for joining. I appreciate you taking the time. It's been, been great chatting with you and for those tuning in we'll also be sharing the show notes we'll have pat's social media information in there his youtube channel we'll have that li- later on when the show notes are added to it but after this is after we, we're done with the recording here you'll be able to access it on youtube because it kind of it records there but also be publishing to all the different podcast platforms too if if uh spotify or something like that's more your game it'll be up there soon so Thanks everyone for joining us on this live episode. This was, I think was only like the third one, but we plan, plan to do more. Uh, we're about to wrap up season two. I've got all the recordings for the rest of the year out there. I try to kind of record uh, so many at a time. So that way I don't ever get caught where I've got to hurry up, find a guest and record something right away. I've done that before. So that I try to make um, my December easy, you know, cause all the conferences and stuff going on, plus the podcast, you really just kind of need some downtime. So I really set things up. So December is not much going on. I can rest and then get ready to get back at, at it in January.
0: Yep, That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. And yeah, again, thank you so much. And you know, don't forget to subscribe to Phil's channel. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing big things. So keep it up. Thank you.
1: And just to kind of plug too, I'll be joining Pat tomorrow. No, 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 not oh. tomorrow. Tomorrow's Keith. Next okay. week. I get you. Next week. The week after that. So, yeah. So, yep.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, thanks.
1: awesome. So, thanks everyone for joining, and we'll see you in the next episode.
0: Thank you for listening to the Philip Wiley Show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, to learn more about Philip, go to thehackermaker.com and connect with him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Philip Wiley. Until next time.